Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We are recapping some moments throughout 1 Corinthians now that we've finished the book. Let's go to chapter 5. Let's revisit chapter 5. This was uh, in our curriculum. It's what we covered in session 3 of the curriculum, and we didn't really talk about it here in the devotions, so I wanted to delve into it a little bit. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and the kind of sexual immorality that is not even tolerated among the Gentiles. A man is sleeping with his father's wife and you are arrogant. Shouldn't you be filled with grief and remove from your congregation the one who did this? Even though I am absent in the body, I am present in spirit. And as one who is present with you in this way, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who has been doing such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and I am with you in spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus, hand that one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So Paul is calling them out for everybody just kind of sitting around and knowing that this guy has a semi-incestuous relationship going on that's even illegal in Rome. And everybody's just kind of acting like it's normal, acting like it's okay. It's quite plausible too that some of them would say, hey man, look, love is love. Who am I to judge this guy? In any regard, Paul's saying, look, you're not calling, you're not using proper judgment here. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus gives us this instruction on judgment. The very first verse is, is the atheist's favorite verse, don't judge or you too will be judged. Keep on reading, atheist friend. It goes on to say, because the same standard of judgment that you use to judge somebody else will be judged, you, you will be judged by. So take the plank out of your eye and then you can see the speck in your brother's eye. So maybe don't go publicly proclaiming somebody a sinner if you yourself have a colossal amount of sin. Like maybe get your house together first, bro. That's Matthew chapter seven. And then carry out the prescribed process for church discipline. In fact, Paul moves toward church discipline. This is in verse nine of chapter five. I wrote to you in a letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. I did not mean the immoral people of this world or the greedy swindlers and idolaters. Otherwise, you'd have to leave the world, okay? Like boycotts are only so effective because there's nobody left to do business with except for our fellow sinners. But actually, I wrote you not to associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister and is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or verbally abusive, a drunkard, a swindler, do not even eat with such a person. For what business is it of mine to judge outsiders? Don't you judge those who are on the inside? God judges outsiders, remove the evil person from among you. So he reminds them of the church discipline process. But do you remember what he said in the very last verse that we covered in the first portion of chapter five? His desire is, and I quote from chapter five, that this, this man's spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So it, Paul looks at this guy who evidently is totally okay with this flagrant uh, disobedience in his life. And he's living among the people of the church at Corinth and showing up to church and like bringing his stepwife, step, stepmom, stepwife, stepmom slash wife, girl slash girlfriend. I don't know what she would categorize, categorize as. And they're like going to small group together. And everybody's like, this is fine. And, and Paul's like, somebody somewhere, say something, please. There's this thing called church discipline. Evidently, if one person has gone to this guy one-on-one -on -one to say like, hey man, maybe don't sleep with your stepmom, that's weird. And then he's like, no, I'm gonna keep on doing it. And so you bring two or three witnesses and you got like three, three brothers and they're like, hey, uh, stop sleeping with your stepmom. And he's like, no. Okay, and then you bring before the larger body of believers, say like his small group or even a corporate worship gathering, especially if this guy's a, a pastor and, and, uh, and on leadership, which he's not, but 
you, you bring them before a larger body of believers and they're all like, okay, intervention time. This is, you, there are even shows about this, the kind of a secular version of the third step of church discipline. It's like an intervention where everybody's together and we're all saying like, look, this, this has got to stop. Okay, and if he still refuses to stop, the intervention actually, the secular version of an intervention actually kind of echoes church discipline. And that, okay, <laughs> that means that you're cut off. But what Paul's desire is that this man may be saved in the day of the Lord. And so if that's the case, if he has resisted one-on-one -on -one confrontation, that's step one of spiritual church discipline. If he's resisted step two of church discipline, where like two or three witnesses come to confront him over his sin and he still refuses. And if he's been brought by a, before a larger body of believers and he still denies that he's sinning, I think it's safe to say this guy's not actually saved. He's not actually a Christian. I mean, holy smokes, like how many times do you need to be called out on your sin before you stop sinning, man? And this guy is so belligerent about it that Paul is, Paul is arguing he's not actually saved. So we start over again with the gospel. Paul's desire, according to verse five, is that his spirit will be saved in the day of the Lord. And verses nine through 13, he calls us to use judgment. Okay, the Matthew 7, 1, in which Jesus said, judge not, that doesn't mean like throw all of your discretion and, and discernment and good judgment out the window. Like we're called to use godly discernment. See Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Like you, you're not supposed to throw your brain in the trash can. You actually do exercise judgment. Just maybe make sure that you don't have like a secret family in the Hamptons before you call this guy out for his extramarital affair. Maybe take the giant plank out of your eye first, repent from your sin, and then you have the relative degree of integrity necessary to call this guy out for his own sin. So do call him out, but don't just let it abide because that begins to affect everything. That begins to sink the whole church. We're all complicit tacitly in his sin, which makes us all hypocrites if nobody's saying anything about this thing. That's destructive for the whole church. And for that reason, Paul says, look, hand him over to Satan. Let him experience and reap the full whirlwind of what he insists upon. And then maybe he'll be convicted, called by the spirit and saved on the day of the Lord, verse five. So at the core, at the, uh, in the first, within the first two of the three partials, uh, of, of, the, of the whole book is this call for church discipline. And then tomorrow we'll look at the, uh, look again at this really famous calling out of, of sin within, within the, 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 the church of Corinth in chapter six going into chapter seven. So look, look at these themes, man. Paul has covered a lot of ground. He's been written to address certain things. And so he kind of gives this regarding this, regarding this, regarding this structure. So for that reason, we've covered a whole lot of different topics, everything from everything from tongues to prostitution to, I mean, uh, the Lord's Supper to people dropping dead because they disobeyed God. First Corinthians is really broad. I wanted to come back and hit some of these some of these mountaintop topics, uh, mountaintop topics that are throughout First Corinthians. And this was critical in chapter five. Uh, he's been so kind and so sweet to them. And then he's got to take, he's got to take the gloves off for a little bit uh, to talk really directly about their utter abdication of church discipline in the church at Corinth.